And I want to draw your attention uh, again to Acts, and we're going to be looking this morning at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and I'll be reading uh, this morning verses 1 through 25. Hear the word of the Lord. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen, made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women, committed them to prison. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, proclaimed to them the Christ. The crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. They paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified, spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that as all of us sit under the authority of your word this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would lead us and guide us, that you would speak your word into our hearts, Lord, and that we would receive that word this morning, that we would treasure it, that we would lay it up in our hearts, that we would practice it in our lives. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak this morning, and we pray that you will give us ears to hear by the power of your spirit at work in us. We pray this and ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 
In the Oxford Dictionary, counterfeiting is defined as the crime of making an exact copy of something in order to trick people into thinking that it is the real thing. I want to suggest to you this morning, brothers and sisters, that the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is carried out in a world full of counterfeits. I want to suggest to you that there are other words, other claims of good news that present as the real thing that are really not. There are other claims of good news that amaze us in one way or another, but in the end don't deliver on the goods that they promise. In the end, they wind up being little more than magic, amazing to our senses, but offering us no real substance. And yet, if we are honest, we love magic. We love being amazed. And we are quick to chase after those who claim to be something great, who speak great boastful things, who claim to be able to do great things. We can, if we are honest, be like the people in the story in front of us, attracted to the Simons of this world, attracted to the counterfeit stories they tell and the actions that they perform. In the ancient world, magic wasn't just the visual objects or the amulets, the figurines that were used, but also the incantations and the invoking of deities and demons. In other words, there was a story behind the magic, a narrative that sought to define where blessing and salvation came from. And people were drawn in by these stories, those narratives, those false claims of those counterfeits to be able to bless and to save. And we are not exempt in our day from these counterfeits. At every level of our lives, there are counterfeit claims to bring what only the good news of the kingdom of God come in Jesus can bring. And this is the good news for us this morning, brothers and sisters. The good news is that God has spoken in his son to tell us where true blessing and true salvation is found. And it is found, it is found in doing what these people in Samaria did when they heard God's narrative, when they heard God's story preached by Philip. Verse 12 says, when, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. In other words, they turned away from the lies of Simon's magic and they embraced the real thing. They submitted themselves to God's rule, putting their faith in Jesus and being baptized in his name. They stopped chasing after the one who claimed to be somebody great and they put their trust in the one who is great. Many of you under the sound of my voice this morning, you've done just that. You've turned away from the counterfeits of this world. You've put your hope in Christ, and you're living under his rule and under his reign, and yet the pull of the counterfeits is still there. The pull of the counterfeits is still there. If we're, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves like Simon chasing the counterfeit when the real thing has been held out to us. And whatever you think about Simon's 
conversion. And commentators disagree on whether his faith was genuine or not. One thing is clear, Simon's heart was attracted to the counterfeit. What about us? What about us this morning? So what, what is it about God's kingdom come in Jesus? What is it about that kingdom in which many of us have put our faith What is it about that kingdom that will actually keep us from chasing after the counterfeit? What does the kingdom of God bring to us, in fact, brothers and sisters, that is different from the counterfeit? The kingdom of God come in Jesus is the real thing. That's what I'm saying this morning. It's the real way toward blessing and the real way toward salvations that the counterfeits claim to offer us. And so I want to suggest just two things that the real thing brings, the kingdom of God brings to us. First of all, the real thing, and by the real thing I mean the kingdom of God, the real thing brings real healing, which brings real joy. The real thing brings real healing, which brings real joy. In verses four to eight, we read this. Now those who were scattered Went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And then in verses 12 and 13, but when they believed Philip, As he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And then finally, these verses 14 to 17. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind us this morning that the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Christ that Philip preached is the source of real healing. It is the source of things being set right in this world. People were amazed by Simon's magic, but they were healed through the preaching of the gospel about the kingdom of God that has come in Jesus Christ our Lord. We often, we often focus on these exorcisms and these healings in terms of their, their role in proving the authenticity of the messengers and their message about Christ and his kingdom. And they certainly are that. But I would suggest that they were precisely that because they accomplished the things that they promised. Through the preaching of the gospel and uh, and the Samaritans' faith in that gospel, their lives were transformed. Through the preaching of the gospel, people oppressed by demonic forces were delivered. Through the preaching of the gospel, the lame were given the ability to walk again. And as I've said before, we miss the point of these healings if we only focus on the physical change wrought in the person healed. The healings were pointing to something. And what they were pointing to was the full 
restoration that was coming to all who put their faith in Jesus. Remember, not everyone experienced physical healing in that day, but everyone who put their faith in Jesus experienced true deliverance. Everyone who put their faith in Jesus was set right with God through faith in him. Everyone who put their faith in Jesus was restored to membership in God's covenant family. Everyone who put their faith in Jesus received the Holy Spirit and was made a participant in the advance of God's kingdom come into this world through Jesus. Everyone who trusted Christ was healed. Don't miss where we are. Don't miss where we are in the text in terms of location. We're not in Jerusalem anymore. The persecution started by Saul has scattered the church into Samaria and soon to the uttermost parts of the earth. And God is not here in Samaria by accident. He is here on purpose. And he is here on purpose to tell people who were despised by many of those he had called out to be a light to the nations. He was there to tell them, you matter. He was come to offer them in Jesus the promise spoken long ago in Isaiah, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Isaiah 49, 6. Philip's preaching and God's work through him to deliver people from demonic oppression and physical brokenness was God's declaration to the Samaritans that he was here here to bring that long-awaited salvation that restores the nations to God, that restores them to membership in his covenant family, that empowers them through the Spirit to be participants in the advance of his kingdom in this world. And that same healing, that healing that sets us right with God, that makes us members of his family, that makes us participants in the advance of his kingdom in this world, it is here today as Christ is preached. And you know it because many of you have experienced it. Can I, can I get a witness? Anybody in here been healed? Anybody in here been set free? Anybody in here know what it, what, what it means to be delivered? You're sitting here as living testimonies that God still heals. You're here as living testimonies that he is still working. And what happens? What happens when we experience that healing? What happens when our neighbors experience that healing. It brings joy. It brings joy. Joy that we are no longer at odds with God. Joy that we are no longer outsiders in the family of God. Joy that we are no, that we are no longer without purpose in this world. There was much joy in that city because God showed up in the preaching of his son to set people free from the separations that most define their lives. Separation from God, separation from family, separation from purpose. God heals all of those separations as we trust him for salvation as it is proclaimed in Christ in his kingdom. Simon's, Simon's counterfeit could amaze but it could not bring healing. It could not bring healing. It couldn't even bring it for Simon. <laughs> even he, after seeing the power of the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom in Jesus, believed Simon's counterfeits couldn't heal. 
and neither can the counterfeits of our day. They only leave us more broken and in the end more joyless. But Christ heals. His word delivers. His kingdom saves. The real thing brings real healing that leads to real joy. You all believe Southeast Michigan needs joy? They need joy, don't they? That comes from the healing of Jesus Christ and the good news of his kingdom. Amen, people of God. So where do you need God's healing to flow into your life this morning? Where do you need to be set right? Perhaps you need God's healing in being restored to relationship within the family of God. You feel like an outsider in God's family. Maybe you've experienced some form of marginalization or rejection or exclusion. Maybe you just feel a sense of disconnect from the church. These folks' condition, which was not of their own making, would have left them outside the community, unable to participate fully in God's family. And I want to encourage you that when you believe in Jesus, you are not an outsider. You belong. And whether it is uh, and whatever is fueling that sense of separation or disconnect, God wants to bring healing there. And so I'd encourage you this morning to ask the Lord to work to remove whatever barriers are keeping you from knowing and experiencing the joy of community within God's family. Even if the barrier, barrier is not on your side, but on the side of others who have erected barriers to your full exclusion, your full inclusion, pray for God's healing there for God to destroy those forces that keep us from being fully accepted by one another. And I say pray, not because I don't believe there are action steps for us to take to tear down those barriers, but because this is supernatural work. Those demonic forces, those physical barriers don't come down simply by our activity, but by the power of Christ at work to destroy them. Perhaps it's not relational healing, but healing from some other force that has grabbed a hold of your life. Addiction, sexual immorality, anger, violence, or the like. The demonic forces cast out of those whom Philip healed were oppressive forces, forces that kept them bound to all manner of evil. God does not want you to be bound by these forces. He does not want you to be oppressed by those evils. God can and he will set you free. Cry out to him then if you are bound by any of the things that I mentioned or others. Cry out to God. He will come and he will set you free. Listen, whatever healing needs to break forth in your life or in our lives corporately, God is here to bring that healing that we need. The kingdom of God brings healing that leads to joy. We need that healing to flow in our lives individually, and we need it to flow in our lives corporately as God's people. The real thing brings healing that leads to real joy. Secondly, the real thing brings real exposure, which brings a real opportunity for repentance and change. The real thing brings real exposure, which brings a real opportunity for repentance and change. Listen again to these verses, verses 18 to 24. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the hands of the apostles, he offered them money, 
saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I may lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. When the kingdom of Christ, when the kingdom of Christ is preached, it brings with it healing that leads to joy. But it also brings with it exposure of our sin, which leads to an opportunity for repentance and change. I would have started here, but that is not the movement of the story. The second half of the story focuses in on Simon, and it focuses in on the nature of Simon's heart. Twice in Peter's response to Simon, he mentions your heart in describing Simon's failure. Simon, seeing the power of the laying on of hands by the apostles, seeks to buy this gift from them. His exact words are, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon, though he is said to have believed and has in fact been baptized into the real thing, the real kingdom, is still gripped in his heart by the counterfeit. Though he has seen and tasted the real thing for himself, he is still chasing after the counterfeit. You see, in the counterfeit world, you buy power. In the counterfeit world, you bribe yourself into position. In the counterfeit world, you keep trying to substantiate the claim that you are somebody great. But note that in Peter's rebuke, he uncovers the irony of what Simon is proposing. You thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You see, in the kingdom, Simon, power can't be bought. Authority can't be sold. And you can't be great through trickery. No, in the kingdom, power is given. And in the kingdom, power is a shared thing given to all those to whom God gives his Holy Spirit in order to show forth not our greatness, but the greatness of God. Now, it would be easy, it would be easy for us to, for us, given Peter's rebuke of Simon, his strong words about Simon, being in the gall of bitterness and the bonds of iniquity, to just conclude that Simon was not a believer. And of course, in that way, we can safely distance ourselves from his sin. After all, we are not like Simon. We wouldn't chase after the counterfeits having tasted the real thing. We certainly wouldn't sin in the way that he did. We are not that bad. I was reading the Westminster Confession again as I was preparing for my transfer exam back in January, and I came across a statement in the chapter on perseverance. And I want to read it to you this morning. Westminster Confession of Faith, 17, paragraph 3. And it reads, speaking of believers, Nevertheless, they may, through the temptations of Satan and of the world, the prevalency of corruption remaining in them, and the neglect of the means of their preservation fall into grievous sins and for a time continue therein. 
whereby they incure God's displeasure and grieve his Holy Spirit, come to be deprived of some measure of their graces and comforts, have their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded, hurt and scandalize others and bring temporal judgments upon themselves. Look, I don't know if Simon was a member of the invisible church. God hasn't shared that list of names with me or with you either. What I do know is that the text said that he believed and was baptized. And I believe what the confession states here, that it's possible even for believers to fall into grievous sins and damage their own assurance and their testimony before the world. And while the confession doesn't use this language, I would say that the possibility of grievous sin comes as a result of chasing after the counterfeits to the kingdom of God. And it is the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom that exposes our hearts, exposes those places in our heart where we are prone to embrace the counterfeit. And here is the thing. We need that exposure. We need that exposure. We need the gospel of the kingdom to do the work of exposing our hearts before God, laying our hearts bare before him. Why? Because the scripture tells us that it is through the exposure of our sin that we are led down the path toward repentance and faith, which leads to new life in Christ. Peter's confrontation of Simon was for Simon's good. Peter says as much, calling on Simon to repent, to find God's forgiveness in that repentance. Simon is therefore given an opportunity to see the truth about himself and to turn to God, to ask for forgiveness for chasing the counterfeit rather than trusting in God's kingdom that has come in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that that is what God wants to do with each of us as we hear the gospel preached. As you hear the gospel preached, God wants to expose what is on the inside of your heart to show you the brokenness that is on the inside of you, that you might turn to him in repentance and find life. God is not here to condemn or judge you. He is here to save you. So let him do that work of uncovering that ugliness in you and then take that to God and say, this is me, heal me and set me free. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants us to look at ourselves, or better yet to ask us, as David did, for God to look into our hearts and to expose any wicked way that is in us so that he might lead us down the path of repentance and new life. So can I just just ask you this morning, where do you feel the pull of the counterfeit? Where, like Simon, do you need to be called to repentance that leads to new life? While we don't like to admit, we don't like to admit it, the counterfeits appeal to us. They appeal to us. The counterfeits to the kingdom can look like a lot of things. They can look like the selling of ourselves and God's agenda for political favors. They can look like embracing the lie of ethnic cultural superiority. They can look like the giving over of ourselves to materialism, rendering us unable to give aid to those in need. 
They can look like the embracing of the lie that personal greatness leads to happiness. The counterfeits are numerous. The call and the challenge here is to lay our hearts before God for searching. It is being open to God, exposing our hearts to the ways we have gone astray. And here's the thing. Sometimes that exposing doesn't come in your private prayer closet. Sometimes that exposing comes from fellow believers showing you your error. David needed Nathan. Peter needed Paul. And Simon needed Peter to call out the sin. We are more blind at times than we think we are. And so we need our brothers and sisters to help us. I'm not talking, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about judging and condemning as we call each other out. I'm not talking about the exposure that seeks to destroy others, but the Galatians type exposure, Galatians 6 type exposure where Paul says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Folk who know they aren't exempt, folk who know they aren't exempt from the temptation of the counterfeit are able to approach others in the way that Paul suggests. It is only when we think we have arrived at some higher level of righteousness that we condemn and judge. By the way, I'm not saying the call out will feel good to the one being called out. Sometimes hard truth has to be spoken. Simon needed to hear just how dangerous his sin was. He needed to hear that. He needed to hear those hard words that the apostle Peter spoke so that he might see his sin, repent of it, and find new life. But it needs to be spoken. Whatever truth we speak to each other in exposing brokenness and weakness needs to be spoken to spur people on to repentance, knowing that repentance, when it is embraced, leads to life. Amen, people of God. Amen. In a world filled with counterfeits, the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom that has come in Jesus offers us the real thing. The gospel of the kingdom is the real thing. And the real thing brings real healing that leads to real joy. And it brings real exposure that leads to an opportunity for real repentance and a new life. There is no other word, there is no other word that can bring us true salvation other than the word of God concerning his son in our Lord Jesus Christ. May God strengthen us in our faith to trust that word, to embrace it, to believe it, to pursue it, to preach it, to proclaim it to those around us, that others might be healed and that we too may be healed by that word. Amen, people of God. Amen.